From the TWU Local 591 Union Hall, it's the Local 591 Podcast with local president Gary Scheibel. Join Gary and his guests as they discuss topics that impact and affect the careers and lives of union members. Take it away, Gary. Thanks for the introduction, Tommy. Back in the studio with Russ Dittmer today. Um, Russ has been tasked, or I would rather say uh, he volunteered, to research items from the JCBA that are in question. He gets with the International's Negotiating Committee, the company, and does his best to try to explain some of the issues that we have out there. So we thank Russ for his efforts and trying to get these questions answered. Today, another topic that came in as a result of our previous podcast is on aircraft release authority and really what was negotiated. From speaking with Gary Peterson, myself, the IM as well, where do we land on uh, aircraft release authority? First off, I want to make it really clear. Aircraft release is a very serious function with increased responsibility. In order to accomplish what American Airlines calls the aircraft airworthiness release, it takes a great deal of attention to detail and the time necessary to accomplish it properly. In the IM world in the past, the aircraft release was not seen as that much of a critical function. In the TW world, we saw the aircraft release as the last line of defense, protecting the AMT and the crew chief, and also ensuring a safe and compliant aircraft for our flight crews and for our passengers. For that said, in your discussions, what did you come to understand the negotiated progression was for those who are up first, second, last in accomplishing the aircraft release? Well, Gary, in reality, within the JCBA, the negotiated agreement places the aircraft release primarily within the crew chief function. We only need to look at Article 7H, Hotel 7, the only classification to demonstrate this with the legal protections afforded by the company only to the crew chiefs. I'm going to read Article 7H7 from the MNR JCBA just to give you a little idea of what that is. A crew chief charged by the FAA with a violation of FARs on the basis of work that the company verifies is signed off but not performed by the crew chief, then, upon request, the company will provide assistance, including legal assistance if necessary, to the crew chief for the defense of the violation and be responsible for the payment of any fine imposed on the crew chief, provided that the company believes that the charges are unjustified and that the crew chief should not be fined. Once notified, the company will consult with the association flight safety representatives concerning this matter. This protection is only provided for the crew chief classification, not the inspector and certainly not the AMT. Only the crew chief has the legal defense provided by the company, up to and including paying the fine imposed by the FAA. Your understanding is the primary is the crew chief. I got that. So who would be in the bullpen, per se, if the crew chief is fully encumbered? Well, the JCBA really speaks to this. In addition to the crew chief, the inspector in Article 7G, Golf 8, signs mechanical flight releases. What this means, if an inspector is both in station and also available, and the crew chief is unable to accomplish the aircraft release work, then the inspector would be the alternate. Remember, even if the inspector accomplishes the aircraft release and makes some sort of error based upon the work of another individual, that inspector still does not receive the same legal protections the crew chief would under the contract. Interesting. So... What if the crew chief is fully encumbered and there are either no available inspectors in the station or the inspector is actively performing their inspector duties? What's next? Well, using that example, Gary, 
The crew chief is bogged down, meaning the crew chief is swamped with work. A general example of this, logbooks are piling up and the crew chief sees a lighter, clean check. At that point, the crew chief has the contractual authority to assign the aircraft release to a qualified AMT. As I opened with, and I need to be very clear, accomplishing the aircraft release is a very serious function. It has a lot of increased responsibility. To accomplish this aircraft release, what AA calls the aircraft airworthiness release, takes a great deal of attention to detail and a lot of time. It needs to be done properly and the time needed needs to be taken. CFR 121-709, what we used to call the FARs, under which we are covered, it does stipulate that the certification must include. Certification is what the FAA uses for the term of an airworthiness release in this purpose. It includes certifying that the work was performed in accordance with the requirements of the certificate holder's manual, that all required to be inspected items were inspected by an authorized person, no known condition exists that would make the airplane unsafe or unairworthy, so far as the work performed is concerned that the aircraft is in a condition for safe operation. Now, that's the CFRs. When we look at GPM 506 for any qualified member accomplishing the aircraft release, they are literally expected to certify that all of those CFR items are done, plus the work was done in accordance with the AA manuals, that all of the required items that have inspections were accomplished, whether it's an RAI, a confirmation check, a critical items check, that no known condition exists that would make the aircraft unairworthy. So far as the work completed, again, we have to verify that the aircraft is in safe condition for flight. There is one more part to this that I want to bring up because it's really important. GPM 5.06.3 talks about the aircraft release procedures, what you're required to actually do when you're accomplishing an aircraft release. This starts with reviewing the entire completed work package. Then at the same point in time, you got to check all of the approved systems for accountability, make sure all of those are stamped as required. All of the aircraft maintenance law book MIC items and entries are correctly signed for. All RAIs, confirmation checks, critical checks are verified that they have the correct signatures for those as well. Then you get to re-examine the aircraft maintenance law book. Check the pages moving backwards to make sure there's nothing that someone else missed in the process. All of this has to be done along with checking for printed signatures. There's a lot involved in doing an aircraft release and doing it right, Gary. Absolutely. That's a, a huge amount of responsibility and all that work is definitely going to take time. Yeah, there's no question about that, Gary. In order to accomplish a proper aircraft release, it means you need to have limited distractions. You need to be able to focus specifically on that work package and not have other things going on in the same time period. That's why in the TWU world, we've always considered this to be a primary kerchief function before the JCBA came into effect. And we actually worked to get this into the JCBA to make sure that the kerchiefs who are the most skilled and most accustomed to doing this work are doing that work as our last line of defense. I want to add the company years ago had a fantastic aircraft release checklist in the GPM. It was three or four pages of everything that you need to work on and make sure you're accomplishing when you get to this point. Unfortunately, it's no longer available, but it was a really good resource at the time. Okay, and then recently, well, within the past two months now, a tech ops update went out. Company put on, uh, I think it was back in January, regarding the best practices for line maintenance, bill of work, closeout. And I know inside of that, a lot of, I'll just call them rogue management, use that to try to convince our members that language has changed. Do you have any kind of updates that you can speak to that? 
I'm going to have to defer to you on that, Gary. I know you've had some conversations with upper levels of management on this, and I'd rather they heard it directly from you than from me. Okay, I'll cover that. And then I do believe you have a flow chart or something that would help the members in understanding. But as far as those conversations, had them with uh, labor relations and also the line maintenance VP, I can say in both instances, they're in agreement. Nothing has changed in the language. They've advised the operation management. Also that nothing's changed in the language. It's as Russ has been speaking to on this podcast, it is a crew chief decision whether or not to task the airworthiness release. Right, Gary, at your request, I created a small flowchart that I'm going to attach to this podcast. And it basically walks you through the steps of determining when, how, and where the crew chief, if the crew chief is bogged down, who he goes to next before getting to the final option. And I hope the members find it useful. I'm sure they will. I want to thank Russ for coming in the studio and helping us out with this all-important topic of airworthiness release. Thanks, Gary. That's our podcast for today. If you have a topic you'd like covered, please contact us at info at local591.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time. For more information about TWU Local 591, go to local591.com. To comment on this or any of our podcasts, email us at info at local591.com. You can listen, download, and stream episodes of Local 591 Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, your favorite Android podcaster, or your RSS feed-enabled browser. Local 591 Podcast episodes are also available to stream and download from our website, local591podcast.com forward slash podcast. Music provided under license by pond5.com. The Local 591 Podcast is produced and engineered by Tommy Ingle. 